do like sermon part one and then respond by singing. Uh, just singing about how amazing God's love is. Um, and then mini sermon, I swear it will be mini, um, part two, and, and then one more song. And, and I ask people, I'm like, man, do we have to sing first? Like, can they, can we handle not singing first at all? And we just thought it was better for all of us if we sung at least one song. So that was good for me, at least. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's read the passage first, and then I'm, I'm gonna pray. Um, this is Romans uh, 8, 31 through 39. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, what a rich passage, Jesus. I am, I'm so grateful uh, for, for all of Romans 8, but especially this last chunk. And uh, Spirit, I just... I want you to be glorified, God. I, I want your praise to ever be on our lips, not just when we're gathered here in the safety of this building, but, but that everywhere, God, we'd be a people that are ready to exalt you, that are just looking for opportunities to talk about how awesome you are, Jesus. Um, you're so, so good, Lord. And I feel like I could just keep praying and praying, but i got to preach. So, Lord, will you speak in your name? Amen. Sometimes I start praying. Like particularly before meals, when you're a pastor, if you're at a family gathering, you're always asked to pray, right? So I'll start praying. I'm going, I'm going. I'm like, how long have I been praying? People just want to eat food. So sorry. I know you don't want to just eat food right now, but um, I love this passage. Uh, it's in some ways it's really intimidating to me, but this is this is probably my favorite section of scripture. Um, yeah, it's, it's so good. He starts off and he says, What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Um, we need to know what he just said, though. So Romans uh, 28 through 30, I'll read these. It says, We know that for those who love God, all things, right, good, bad, everything in between, work together for good. For those who he called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Right. So all those things whether it's good or bad, he's using it to make us more and more like Jesus. That's called sanctification. In order that he might be the firstborn among, among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he also called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. And Gary had us pay attention to that. It glorified. It's, it's done. Case closed. It's happening. God has done it. So 
He then says, what do we say to all these things? And Paul's going to ask these questions that actually they don't require an answer because they're so obvious. Um, What do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he doesn't say, what is against you or who is against you? Because if he did, we could all probably come up with a pretty long list. My bills are against me. Culture is against me. My in-laws are against me. Not my in-laws, but yours. Um, My body's breaking down. I don't know the future. I have fears. Satan and his minions. Evil forces. It rains all the time here. It's too hot here now, and I can't handle it. We can come up with a long, long list uh, of things that, that are against us, but he doesn't phrase it that way. And when he phrases it this way, we realize, you know what? Nothing. Nothing's against me. If God is for me, there's absolutely nothing that can stand in my way as a follower of Jesus. Verse 32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And what, what is what's the all things? Um, what does that mean? Uh, I think Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. I think we have that up there, maybe. Uh, or at least verse 3. Um, this sheds some light. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. In verse 4, I don't think I have up there actually, but by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So the all things that he's going to give us, if he gave us Jesus, his own son, the all things, he's going to give us everything that we need to follow Christ. Everything that we need to become more and more like Jesus. We don't have to worry about any of those things. And I I get in conversations a lot with students because that's who I primarily work with um, that they feel like they can't they can't follow Jesus. It's just not working for them. They 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 can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps, which I'm pretty sure that's not physically possible anyway, so I've never understood that saying. Um, they can't do it. They can't muster up enough whatever to follow Jesus. It, and, and they're right. You can't do it, right? We need Jesus to help us to follow him. Okay. Uh, there's a song back in the day by Third Day, um, and, and the lyrics uh, were, were so helpful to me in understanding this. Um, it said, please take from me my life when I don't have the strength to give it away to you, Jesus. And that, for so long, was my prayer. Like, Lord, I can't even follow you. Right? I need you to give me the desire to follow you. I cannot do anything apart from you. And that's where we need to be. We need to know that, yeah, he, Jesus didn't just die for you. He, he's going to give everything that is needed so that you can follow him. And and yet, certainly, we, we worry, right? We worry about all kinds of things, not, not even just the, the following Jesus stuff, but Man, our, our, our savings account, schooling for our kids, 401k, what college, what career, who will I marry, our health, the economy. It goes on and on and on, the things we worry about. And, and Jesus talked to that too in Matthew 6, right? He talked about the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. Man, I love you more than those things. And, and they're doing just fine. Like, you don't need to worry about anything 
whether it's stuff here on earth or, or, or beyond. There is no need to worry at all. So verse 33, he says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And I know I said that, that he asked questions that don't need to be answered, but, man, there are, there are uh, some that bring charges against God's people, right? Uh, one would be Satan. He's called the accuser for a reason. Uh, and, and the language here, and Paul often uses this courtroom language, right? So it's, it's like you're, you're sitting there in the courtroom, and, and it's asked, all right, who, who brings the charges? Well, it's Satan. He, he loves to accuse us. And it's not like he doesn't have grounds, right? We are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So he comes and he points out everything that we have done. But Paul says, no, it is God who justifies. That, shut, that shuts Satan up right there. But I think the other one that brings charges against us is ourselves. We fall for it. And, and my guess is that maybe some of you... Um, Maybe you don't even struggle with that anymore. I think we all do or did at one time. But I also know that there are people in the room that, um, man, maybe you feel like things are going well, and then you do it again. Right? Whatever that thing is, that whatever that sin is that you seem to always fall for, you thought you defeated it, you thought it was done, but you've done it again, and you beat yourself up. And what you try to do is you actually try and like put yourself up on that cross to pay for that sin, as if Jesus wasn't enough. But, but Paul says, no, no one, there is no one that can bring a charge against you because it's God who justifies you. The case is closed. I love this verse in Isaiah. I need to drink water. I'm so parched. I'm always afraid the microphone's going to pick up my swallowing, but I just realized it doesn't. Okay. I love this. So it says, uh, uh, he who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. And that little part in the NIV, um, they translate it, let us face each other. Okay. Who is my adversary? Let him come near. So this guy is talking big, right? He's puffing his chest out. Who Who's going to stand against me? Get up here. Stand face to face and accuse me. And then he says this, verse 9. Behold, the Lord's the one that helps me. Right? He's talking this big game because God is the one that backs him. And no one can declare him guilty because he's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So when it, when it says... When it says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. The case is closed. And praise God for that. He keeps going, verse 34, who's to condemn? And, and Jesus in Scripture, we know that he's, he's the judge. Okay, So who's to condemn? It says, Christ Jesus, who happens to be the judge, is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Okay, so, so the very one that will judge, he's the one that died for you. He didn't, just, he didn't just die for you. He was raised. He's at the right hand of God, okay? Meaning, like, he's got, he, he's, he's equal in power with God. Um, and, and usually in Scripture, when it says he's at the right hand, it says he's, he's seated at the right hand of God, right? And I, I don't know what happened to me, but at some point, I started to love yard work, um, 
And I think that's when I realized I am an adult now. Um, I love, I would love working my yard. I love picking weeds. I probably wouldn't love picking your weeds, but I love getting my weeds out of the ground, right? I love, (laughs) Matt's laughing already. I love plants that produce fruit. Um, blueberries, I have a lemon tree, uh, raspberries are great. Anyway, this, that, none of that matters. So I love working in my yard, and, and we have a patio that I love. And when I'm done, I sit, and I, I relax, and, and I rest, because my work is done. Weeds are going to come back, so that's where this breaks down. But, but for the day, I'm done, and it's good. So Jesus, he's, he's seated at the right hand of God. The work is done. He's completed it, right? And then it says who indeed is interceding for us, okay? Let's pretend for a moment that I get arrested in Clackamas County, okay? Bad, right? So um, there are probably a lot of people that I should want to see, right, in, in that moment. Uh, my wife, I should probably want to see her. Um, a really good lawyer, maybe. Uh, I don't know, maybe Pastor Gary, uh, maybe one of my best friends, but honestly, the person I want to see most is Brian Schmaltz, okay? Uh, Brian Schmaltz, if you don't know, he's, uh, this isn't technically his position, but this is the only way I can remember to explain it. So he's like the head of homicide for Clackamas County, right? Um, he's actually, he was called away this morning uh, to go investigate one. So if I am sitting there, I don't even know how this goes down, but in the little room where they hold people that are arrested, if I'm sitting there, probably handcuffed, um, I don't. I don't know what I did, and it doesn't even matter. I imagine Brian coming in, in total relief, and Brian saying, "Hey, Greg, what'd you do?" <laughs> then I explain my story, and, and then Brian goes, and he, he said, "Hey, I don't know what happened here. I'll figure it out. Greg's a good guy. I know him. And in fact, I I know him really well. He didn't do blah blah, blah X Y Z." Um, now, now, Jesus, when he intercedes, it's not based on us being a good guy, right? Jesus intercedes, yeah, Greg did all those things. All those things. You know, I paid for him. I paid a great price. I spilled my blood for him. And you better believe I'm collecting on that. It's so awesome. That Christ intercedes on our behalf. Romans 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives to intercede for us. He always lives to represent us, to claim us. It's so, so good. So who's to condemn? Nobody. Nobody at all. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he lists off all these things that he experienced, that Paul experienced. Shall tribulation or distress or, or persecution, and these are, these are things coming from an ungodly world um, meant to harm, that are hostile towards Christ and his people. Um, the, next, the next two, famine or nakedness, so the, the, the things that that we need, um, the things that we we think we need. He says, a lack of food, lack of clothing, that's not going to do it. Neither will a big, uh, lack of a big savings account or a solid credit score sep- separate you from the love of Jesus. So he says, how about danger or sword, right? And looking death square in the face. I, I, think, I think it's pretty normal to be afraid of 
of death. Um, I mean, killing us doesn't separate us from Jesus. In fact, it actually we actually get to go and, and be with Jesus. Um, incredible irony there. Um, but Christians facing martyrdom is, is a reality. You know, it's something that I can kind of imagine, but I, but I can't. I mean, I've read enough stories I can kind of wrap my mind around it. But it is crazy that you know, throughout all of Christian history, there have been Christians that have been faced with death, and they've testified and said, "No, I'm not bowing down. Jesus is Lord, and, and, and you can kill me, but it doesn't matter. In fact, it gets me to Him sooner." Um, so he says in all of these things that, that we can't be separated. In verse 36, and this is a quote from Psalm 44:22, he says, "For your sake, we are being killed." All the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. All right, and these people, um, let's talk about Israel. I mean, actually dying for the Lord. And, and so for us in America, it's different. You know, we, we don't face much persecution, certainly not, um, not very often death. I mean, I think we all feel pretty confident that no one's running in this room, uh, to get us right now, although that did just happen a few days ago. And, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that later, but um, for the most part, I'm I'm not afraid that I'm gonna die here for Jesus, right? Um, for Israel, they they are dying throughout history. People have been dying for Jesus. Um, he says we're 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 regarded as as sheep, um, as to be slaughtered. So these people they're not suffering because they turned to some other god or or fell into sin. They suffered. For the sake of Yahweh, because of their loyalty to Him, um, Paul lived these things out. You know, the, the Romans, like this, is real stuff to them. The possibility that they could be persecuted, the possibility they could lose their job, the possibility they could die—not um, all that long after this book was written, um, Emperor Nero was was lighting Christians on fire as human torches. Man, that's crazy. Like, I, I, it's so hard for me to understand that. But our suffering shouldn't cause us to doubt his love. It, it points to the union that we have with our suffering Savior, right? Jesus didn't just cause us to suffer. He suffered. He suffered for us. And he told us, in this world, you're going to face many troubles. It's going to be hard. You follow me, it's, it's going to be hard. Um, I think a lot of time, though, hardship leads us to doubt God's love. And I don't have time to get into the full story of the prodigal son. I'm hoping that a lot of you are familiar with that. But um, this guy, his two sons, one son takes off. Uh, he asks for the inheritance, takes off, go and lives this wild life, eventually realizes that was dumb, comes back, begs his father just to be a servant right, in his household. father's like, are you kidding me? You're my son. Clothes him, gives him the awesome robe, the ring, throws his party for him, kills the fattened calf. The whole time, there's this elder son, the elder brother, and he um, he worked hard for dad. He's faithful to dad. And then when all this goes down, and, and dad's throwing a party for the son, the elder brother won't even come into the room because he's ticked. He's like, are you kidding me? I... I I've worked so hard for you. I've done everything you asked. And he's communicating like, don't you owe me? And I think we think that way too at times. Lord, 
I go to church like a lot. I read your Bible. I host a Bible study. I, I give to, to missionaries. I fill in the blank. I do this. I read your word. I don't cuss much. Like all these things I do right. Um, and we think that God owes us. And if something goes wrong, sometimes we're going, God, what's the deal? If I do these things, then you bless me. That's not from Scripture, right? I mean, yeah, we're blessed, but not with, I don't know, a big savings account or whatever. Like, we're blessed to know Jesus and to follow him and to be eternally secure that nothing can separate us from his love. So God's pledge is not that suffering will never afflict us, but that it will never separate us from his love. That there's nothing that can happen. Let's keep going. Romans 37. He says, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we're about to sing that song again. So uh, all these things can happen to us. All these terrible, terrible things can happen. And, and not only um, not only these bad things not able to defeat us, but, but God uses those for our good, right? He makes us more and more like Jesus, like Romans 28 and 29 said. Um, so uh, the picture is here, more than conquerors. We are, it's not even close, right? Like we get to, we get to conquer with Jesus, which is such a weird thing to me that like we, we get to, we get to be a part of the victory with God, right? It's not like, uh, like my son, he's 10 years old and I, I we were driving the other day. I'm like, man, six years, like in theory, you should be driving. And I joked them like, so let's get you up here right now. And there's no way. <laughs> no way at all. Um, not yet. Um, but, but it's not like God just says, hey, hop in the car with me. He throws us the keys. He calls shotgun. And, and we're with him in it. Romans 16, 20. I, I, I didn't get this verse in time to get up there. But it says, the peace of God will soon crush Satan. Under your feet. Under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. For some reason, Jesus calls us to be a part of his victory. And it's not even going to be close. And, and this imagery here, the, the crushing of Satan under your feet, this takes us back to Genesis uh, 3.15 when, when he's given out the curse after the fall. And um, he's talking to the serpent and talks about the offspring and that, that, that the offspring of man will, will stomp on your head, crush your head. And, and every time I read that for years, I just thought, oh, that's Jesus. This is like we. We're a part of that. And I don't, I don't get that by any means, but we are a part of, of God's victory. So in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then, then he goes off on this list here. Um, I think I'll invite the band up now because we're, we're going to sing in a moment. He says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, I just feel like we need to respond to that awesome, awesome love that we have uh, in, in God, that, that there is nothing that can happen, nothing at all, not, not even ourselves, right? So it says, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, right? And I think sometimes that we, we think 
oh boy, if I, if I screw this up, if I mess this up, if I sin this way again, that's going to be it. No. It says in all creation, last time I checked, I'm part of creation. We cannot separate ourselves from the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let's sing. Let's respond. And, and, and I say let's sing. It might be more appropriate for some of you to just sit and hear these words and let them soak. Um, but, but maybe you just need to shout it out and not even care about what people think. But let's, let's respond. It's like I said earlier, uh, you know, in America as Christians, we, we don't face what the rest of the Christian world faces. And not just now, but through history. Like, we are an anomaly. Um, so how, what do we do? How do we, how do we respond to that? Um, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Right? So we, we, at minimum, we need to pray. Uh, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that, that are facing, um, facing persecution, facing death. Um, Mickey's going to come up here um, a couple days ago. I think it was Wednesday night in Charleston. Um, most of you probably know that there was a prayer meeting, and I think nine people were, were gunned down. And, you know, I don't... I don't know why the guy did it. I've read a number of articles. It sounds like it was a race thing. I'm sure some people are trying to make it a thing about about Jesus. I don't know. What I do know is Christian brothers and sisters died, and we need to pray. Um, and and that um, you know their families they don't have, don't have a grandma now. You know don't have brother or sister. Um, so we need to pray. So um, there's a, a a prayer a kind of. A, response thing that uh, a bunch of churches all over our country are praying today and Mickey's going to lead us in that. I think we have slides for that. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Um, so I was thinking about persecuted church and um, I found a quote by a, a Chinese church leader who spent 23 years in prison and this is what he said to, uh, to Christians that don't face persecution. He said, I was pushed into a cell but you have to push yourself into one. You have no time to know God. You need to build yourself a cell so that you can do for yourself what persecution did for me. Simplify your life and, and know God. Um, I can't remember if Gary said this in a sermon a couple of weeks ago, if it was just in staff meeting, but we were talking about suffering and, and, um, and how it is uh, in a lot of ways different here. Obviously, we, we do experience suffering here. It's not that we're totally void of suffering, but... It's different, and and we tend to uh, want to avoid it. Obviously, right? We push towards comfort um, all the time. I mean, no one goes and buys an uncomfortable lazy boy, right? It makes sense that you buy a squishy nice one that you feel good in. So it it, it is uh, it's normal for us. Um, but I've been really convicted by my comfort this week, um, or actually over the last couple weeks, as I've been thinking about this passage. Ah. Oh. Um, and there's there's probably a, a ton of ways that um, a ton of things that we could talk about with comfort, but there's a couple that I want to talk about. And I realize my biggest fear, um, my biggest fear is I'm never going to fully give myself to Jesus. That I'm going to fool myself into thinking that that living comfortably in this life is what I need. 
I'm actually terrified of that. Um, and one of those ways is, for me, is money. Um, and part of why I didn't want to talk about this today is because of, if you pay attention to our bulletin, we're having some budget struggles. That is not what this is about. Okay, this is my own conviction, and I feel like I just need to lay myself out before you guys. And if you don't know me, I cry all the time. <laughs> I cry so much that my wife doesn't need to cry anymore. <laughs> <sighs> so I'm probably going to. Um, something happened to me within the last two years uh, that like, I'm, obs- I don't know if I'm obsessed, but I think a lot about like our retirement fund, right? We have a Roth IRA that we started. And I think about it way too much. And I look at that statement every quarter, how often they send it. And I think about how we can pinch pennies to get more money into that. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that savings is bad. I'm not saying that investing is bad. But for myself, I've got to ask, like, do I want to invest in the kingdom of God that is eternal as much as I want to invest in something that I might not even live to see, right? Like, one of the little dreams that I have is, like, someday taking my grandkids to Disneyland, right? And that's part of why I saved this money up. Because I love, we've been to Disneyland with our kids twice. We haven't paid for it. We've had grandparents that have paid for it. It's been awesome. And I'm working so hard to save for something that I don't even know if I'll be there for. And in fact, even if I was, couldn't God really get me there? Right? Part of the Red Sea, no problem. He's done all kinds of things in my life already. He died for me, rose from the dead. And yet I'm worried that, like, I need to save this now. Like, I don't know when my kids will have kids. I can't think right now. But years from now, I need to save. I'm working so hard to invest in this blink of an eye when I should be investing in eternity, right? I should have looked up the numbers, but it's staggering. The, the amount of money that the Western church puts into ourselves compared to the rest of the world, right? A, a giant chunk, which they there are people that literally haven't heard of Jesus, right? And, and yet, you know, I invest some there, but think I should be making more sacrifices for people that I want to be my brothers and sisters in Christ rather than me being able to go to Disneyland or whatever it is that, that I have uh, or that I want. Um, Matthew six nineteen through 21 says, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I just feel like my heart has not been in the right place. My, my, my treasure has not been as much about God's kingdom as it needs to be. So that's one place that we, or at least that I, and my guess is I'm not alone. We strive for comfort. Um, the other one is we can't put comfort over speaking the gospel. We, we need to speak the gospel, right? And I've, I've got some neighbors that, uh, there, there are three sets of my neighbors. I know them. I, I pray for them, like, somewhat regularly. There will be opportunities. There's one that I got to share a good chunk of the gospel with him. Like, I got to tell him about Jesus. People across the street from me I haven't got to yet, but, you know, we've had 
conversations that seem to be getting close. My other neighbors doesn't seem like we're anywhere near, but I still pray for them. I want them to know Jesus. And then I've got a set of neighbors right next to me. I know them. I know their names. We talk. I don't pray for them to know Jesus. I mean, maybe I have. I hope I have once at least. But I don't do it regularly. And, and, and when I'm talking to him, I don't, I don't try to figure out how to tell him about Jesus. And I think it's because I don't want it to be awkward, um, which is ridiculous. I'm going to show you a video clip uh, in a second here. Um, this is, uh, his name is Penn from Penn and Teller. I don't watch their show, but they do something with, I think, magic and comedy. Um, he is an atheist. Um, he's, uh, we're getting into the clip a little way. So he's talking about a guy that was standing there after the show, um, that, uh, that wanted to come and, uh, and share something with him. So let's watch this. Man, I saw that clip for the first time a few years ago. And, um, when he says how, how much you have to hate someone to not tell them. Oh, sorry, he said proselytize. All he means is like trying to convert them to Christianity. I should have explained that before. But how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them, to not tell them about eternal life, to not tell them about Jesus? Um, and I think he nails it. He's not a Christian, yet he knows that we're afraid of feeling awkward, right? We're, we're afraid of, uh, of that. Um, so yesterday, I'm uh, in a coffee shop getting this ready knowing I'm about to cry in front of all you guys, thinking through all that stuff. And then this couple sits down next to me, and I'm working on my sermon. I'm thinking about how I need to tell people about Jesus. And there's a couple sitting next to me. And I realize, boy, there should probably be a guy that tells them about Jesus, huh? And then, uh, so Romans 8.31, God is for us. Who can be against us, right? Well, I think of all the things that are against me in this situation. I'm like, uh, oh, God, that'd be so awkward. <laughs> Never met these people. It's a small coffee shop. Everyone will hear me. They're really enjoying themselves. Isn't that kind of selfish of me? I don't know what to say. Shouldn't I share Jesus with people I have a relationship with? Because that makes strategical sense. Holy Spirit, I'm kind of getting ready to finish this sermon here. Probably work on that. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to. I actually thought I wasn't going to talk to them at all. Um, I didn't see a way to get into the conversation without it being super weird. But I'm like, all right, Lord, fine. You got to make this happen though, because I, uh, deer in headlights, I can't think of how to make it happen. And nothing happens, so I'm good. I'm like, all right, I'm off the hook. I prayed. Good to go. I get a phone call. I don't want to answer inside, so I go out answer it. I come back and I see that their their drinks, this is stupid, but just this is how my little brain works. I see their drinks are like really cool looking. I don't know what they are. And I'm like, oh, I could ask them about their drinks and then see what happens. So I go, oh, that's a cool looking drink. What is it? I'm not kidding. It worked. <laughs> so I say that and we start talking and I'm wearing a hat that has a little guitar and he goes, oh, do you play guitar? Yep. I play a guitar at a church. Do you go to church? Right? So not rocket science, okay? It's like my fifth grader could do this. My, my three-year-old could do this, actually. Um, 
and we, we start talking, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't really go much of anywhere. I mean, we talk a little bit about church. I don't really, I don't know if they know Jesus. Um, conversation ends, and I get done, and I start typing. I'm feeling pretty good. I just talk to them about church. Use the church word, church, in a small room, and I can feel awkward. And then I realize, boy, I didn't actually talk about Jesus, did I? And I'm, I'm justifying in my brain. I'm like, well, God probably just wanted me to be faithful and try. And that totally could be the situation, but it wasn't this time. Um, and, and I realize this, this wasn't just something where I'm supposed to attempt. And I'm like, ah, oh, crud, Lord. If I didn't think I could do it before, I really don't think I can do it now. And I don't know what to do, and I'm praying. And then he turns to me and he goes, you're working on a sermon? I'm like, what? Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. And we just go into stuff. I mean, not everything, obviously. And he goes, well, you need to tell them about love. I'm like, yeah, probably do. Like, you know what, though? They need to know about Jesus. And we talk a little bit about Jesus. And as soon as I say Jesus, like this one guy in the other end of the coffee shop, his head is just like laser beam on me. I'm like, I don't know what's happening now. Anyway, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get to like full on share the gospel with this guy. They, they had to go. Um, no one threw a stone at me, right? Nobody threw their coffee cup at me. No one yelled at me. Uh, I didn't almost lose my job. I'm a pastor, so that would be weird. Um, my tires didn't get slashed. They didn't threaten my children. Um, and, you know, in some ways, I did feel, like, pretty good that I did that. But I also feel really stupid that I feel pretty good that I kind of shared Jesus once with someone at a coffee shop. And that shouldn't be the norm, right? Like, I want to be so comfortable in my life. And I, I need to rebel against that. And, and I, need, I need to be a person that talks about Jesus, not just to middle schoolers and high schoolers, not just on a Sunday. Um, the band's going to come up. We're going to sing one last song. It's called Nothing I Hold On To. We sang this last week, and it just killed me. It says, I lean not on my own understanding, which in the coffee shop in my neighborhood all the time, I want to lean on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. And later on it says uh, in the bridge, I will climb this this mountain with my hands wide open. And I think so often I climb that mountain with my hands clutching what I want and what I think is good and what I need. And I just ask all of us, let's put our hands out like this. Whether you literally do it or not, I don't care. But in our hearts, like let's, before the Lord, okay, God, what do you want me to hold on to? What do I need to let go to? Because I want to be about you. I don't want to live just this comfortable life. I want to follow you. Because other people need to know that there's nothing at all that can separate them from the love of Jesus. So let's sing together. <laughs>